Our second scripture today comes from the first letter of Timothy. 1 Timothy uh, 6, chapter, chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Hear now the word of the Lord. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous, and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. For years now, a group of women have been gathering in the Syme room on Friday mornings to grow in faith and fellowship. Last fall, we founded an evening chapter of Moms in Faith, making the same circle of friendship available to those who can't make daytime meetings. The women in that group are a source of inspiration and encouragement to one another. They share wisdom, hand-me-downs, and when a new baby comes or someone is in crisis, they share meals. Not long ago, I sent out a meal train request. In some ways, it was typical. It included the details of how many meals were needed, information about allergies and strong preferences, but there was a very significant difference between this meal train and any other meal train we've organized. The identity of the beneficiaries was entirely concealed. Instead of dropping meals on the porch of the family in need, participants in the meal train were instead asked to bring the dinners to my house, after which I would complete the delivery. Now, in protecting the confidentiality of that dear family, I did not wish to perpetuate the stigma of mental illness. There is a time to shed light on depression, anxiety, addiction. But there is also a time to give people the time and space they need to heal without feeling any weight of pity or judgment or even the most well-meant attention. That meal train filled up every bit as quickly as the meal train that featured a snapshot of a member beaming as she cradled her newborn son in her arms. This is a congregation that does good. This is a congregation that is rich in good works, generous, and yes, ready to share. 
Indeed, it's one of the things that has always astonished me about this place. The generosity of our spiritual ancestors paid for every last limestone and pew and fixture in this sanctuary. The generosity of our lay leadership in sharing their expertise in everything from finance to architecture, from Christian education to Christmas decoration. Their leadership keeps the ministries of our church vibrant and stable and faithful. The generosity of all of our households enables us to pay the bills, to form meaningful partnerships with amazing mission organizations, and to fairly compensate your church's staff members. Stewardship is a critical practice, not just because of what we are able to accomplish as a church when we generously share our time, our talents, and our treasures. Stewardship is central to our faith, part and parcel of our formation as disciples. Practicing faithful stewardship, including giving sacrificially to our beloved congregation, helps keep our relationship with our money on the up and up. If you are clutching your possessions too tightly, spending all your time and all your wealth only on yourself and your kin, your hands are too full to reach out and grasp for the greater gift, the life that really is life. Now, all that being said, I don't really feel like preaching that kind of sermon that, this morning. To be clear, I love a good stewardship sermon as much as anyone, and I'm actually not being sarcastic there, though I realize it sounds like I could be. I need a good stewardship sermon from time to time, or else I am in danger of letting my fear of scarcity overwhelm my desire to be generous. One of the best stewardship sermons I've ever heard wasn't even shared from a pulpit, but a stage. One of my favorite musicians partnered with a child sponsorship agency and took a few moments out of his concert to passionately encourage his fans to sponsor children in need. He said something that sticks with me to this day. He said that when he signed up for his own participation in the child sponsorship program, he had to opt for the auto pay method. He needed the accountability of giving that organization his credit card number so that they could charge his account each month, or else he might flake out on the commitment. He might spend the money on laser tag or sushi or simply not get around to writing the check and addressing the envelope and finding a postage stamp and dropping it in the mailbox. I mean, that's a lot of steps to take to send your $35 to help some kid in Haiti you've never met. Better to make the decision once and for all and let World Relief just quietly slip the money from your account or charge your credit card month after month 
after month. And that is precisely what we've been doing for six and a half years now, thanks to that musician's encouragement. I did the math. That's $2,730 to make life a little better for a little girl named Senlind. And they'll charge our card next month, too. Giving adds up, and automated giving is this wonderfully convenient way to trick yourself into consistent generosity. Now, at this point, I would be remiss not to point out that, yes, sir, you can make arrangements to have your church pledge automatically deducted from your bank account. I promise our financial manager did not pay me to say that, though, as she's responsible for payroll, maybe she, technically speaking, did. But what I really want to talk about this morning when I talk about sharing earthly and spiritual resources is the musician who hauls bins of world relief brochures to all of his shows. His name is Derek Webb, and while I really don't love his more recent work, his album called Mockingbird contains some of the most beautifully crafted songwriting I have ever encountered. I want to talk about other musicians, too. My all-time favorite band, Over the Rhine, whose discography forms the soundtrack for my soul. I want to talk about books as well. Last summer, I read My Bright Abyss by Christian Wyman, and I loved that book so much, I carried it with me everywhere I went. I underlined and starred so many passages, there is scarcely a single page without notation. Like the sent two sentences I circled on page 93. Faith steals upon you like dew. Some days you wake up and it is there. And like dew, it gets burned off in the rising sun of anxieties, ambitions, distractions. I want to tell you about the artists who delight me with color and canvas, the poets who help me see the world anew, the movies that make me weep. I even want to tell you about the movies that make me laugh until my sides hurt. And that would be the new Jumanji, for the record. And friends, I want to talk about yoga. I want to tell you about how I only ever signed up for a few hot yoga classes because the winter of 2014 was so bitterly cold. How I never expected to find myself finding myself on my mat, body made stronger from chaturangas, mind made stronger, made calmer by meditation, spirit made whole by the remarkable ease with which my Christian faith and yoga practice integrate. I want to tell you how grateful I've been that our own Todd Combs, who sings tenor in the chancel choir and teaches yoga at the local studio, has been a generous mentor to me, giving me the courage to begin teaching at church on Tuesday mornings, even as I continue my teacher training. I want to tell you about the most sacred moment of that Tuesday morning class, when the yogis are in resting in Shavasana, and I kneel by each one, lay my hands on their head, and pray. What I want to do 
if you haven't yet figured it out, is preach about a much broader understanding of sharing resources. An understanding of sharing resources that not only calls us to be Christians who share our wealth and our Monday nights for those committee meetings. I want us to be Christians that share beauty and books, pasta and playlists, communion and care packages. Why shouldn't we be generous with our definition of what it means to generously share earthly and spiritual resources? The life that is really life is about sharing basic necessities with those in need. And it is about giving God the first fruits of our labor. And it is about savoring the abundance of God and God's glorious creation. I don't want to give too many spoilers, but that is where this is all going. The grand finale of the Be the Church series is enjoy this life. What better way to savor our blessings than to share them? What better way to express our gratitude than to tell our neighbors about the things that stir our souls? Perhaps even to tell our neighbors about the church that challenges itself to be the church. Friends, I confess to you that I am not merely talking about sharing as a practice of stewardship. I'm talking about sharing as a practice of evangelism. I said it. We don't say that word very much, evangelism. We don't always like that word. But I've actually learned a lot about evangelism from my willingness, or rather my eagerness, to talk about the books and the bands, all the things I love. Obviously, there are more cultural taboos and social niceties that can make talking about Jesus at a dinner party slightly different than talking about your favorite restaurant at a dinner party. But still, given how much I love Jesus, it's a wonder I haven't emailed five friends this week to gush about him the way I can so easily gush about all those other things. Share it all. The earthly, the spiritual, the time, the money, the sacred, the profane. And when all that radical generosity leaves you blessedly empty-handed, thank God and take hold of the life that really is life. Amen.